Welcome back to A Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. And this is our marvelous review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Am I the only one that knows that song? Oh, no, I just don't do it for copyright infringement. Ah. Spoilers. This movie came out 2019, also directed by John Watt, who directed the first one, and I believe is directing the third one. Damn, he's young. 1981, he was bought. He was born, not bought. Damn. Wow. So John Watt, like Tom Holland, has been in all three films, similar to Sam Raimi directing all three films with his mm. run with Tobey Maguire. So that's kind of cool. This takes place pretty much after Endgame, and the people dealing with and knowing that Iron Man was the hero of what happened. Mm. He snapped his finger. He sacrificed himself. So there's murals that we see throughout the film. Like worldwide too. Now, people have said this is the beginning of phase four and I have to disagree. This movie felt more like an epilogue to phase three. Phase three. It was more of a closing, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it didn't really push anything further until the end. I kind of felt the same way about Black Widow too. So it was like the only one that really started phase four for me was Shang-Chi where this one where everybody was like, oh no, that end game was the end closed chapter. This was more like an epilogue. So you can't, right. you can't really say it's really the beginning of phase four mm-hmm. if it's an epilogue, honestly. Right. We are reviewing this film because Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> No way home. I'm having trouble saying this. this again, all films right now are has home in it. And this one, No Way Home, is coming out really too soon. So I thought it would be cool to just do a review on the two previous films. We just did a review of Homecoming. Now, this is our review of Far From Home. We have to admit what's inspired by Into the Spider-Verse. We have to acknowledge that i have to anyway because i feel like this was inspired by into the spider-verse uh, I, I can't remember did it into you're the right Spider-verse yes. came out first before this right i think it came out it was a it was, it was the year the of the spider year. it was the same year Is and it? i want to say into the spider-verse came out before far from home because disney loves to put their stuff up uh around christmas the big budget ones that mm-hmm. they feel are going to do really well so into the spider-verse uh, came out a few months later and you know they shared those scripts and in the mm-hmm. trailer they talk about the multi there's like literally they give away the scene in far from home where he's like the multiverse are we talking about paradoxes are we talking about this and, and because that's how well they actually uh mysterio into the spider-verse came out in 2018 this came out 2019 oh even better yes there we go into the spider-verse showed us that yes you can have a multi multiverse story and cross fade from different things it showed it could be done. Now, granted, it was animated, True. unlike where live action sometimes could be, I guess, for some reason. Well, in animated, you have more freedom with it. And so, yeah, Into the Spider-Verse came prior to this. And then there was talk in here later on. We hear that because of Beck, what he does. I also like this film because it just like Homecoming, where it tied Iron Man 3, this tied in civil war it tied in a lot more than that well true yes they tied in almost all iron man films and other things but what Mm -hmm. i'm saying is that beck was there well what have you he was in the background and it wasn't tony's idea it was 
Beck's idea for this program. And I can't remember what BARF stands for. Something augmented reality. Bio something augmented reality firmware or something like that. He made Tony seem like the Steve Jobs, where he's the guy who's like the front poster child and everybody else is the tech people and he just takes the credit. Takes credit. Exactly. And that's, that was the argument that was done. We're kind of skipping some parts people, but when you like watch this movie, it all makes sense if you haven't seen it before. That's why I find it that it was an epilogue because it tied in not just the closing of Tony's passing, but it brought in characters from the first film, Iron Man, Iron Man 3. And there was- Maybe Iron Man 2? Most likely. The thing is, it's all connected still. And that's what's great about it. And it became another tribute to Tony Stark and for what he's done for the MCU. And let's be honest, Robert Downey Jr. I like that they brought in Mysterio. He's definitely like a B-list character for your common audience. In the comics, Mysterio's legit. He's a fearsome character. In the cartoons, he wasn't as feared as much. People thought he was like a ridiculous character. They, I think they did a pretty good job with him, actually. I liked how they did here because in the comics and many other animation films or shows, he was an out-of-work actor. He was the effects guy. He, he, and stuntman. Yeah, he was like mo- a man of many hats. And he used that to his advantage. Where here, he wasn't. He was, he was very intelligent. He had know-how. But then he had a team of people to help him. Yeah, he couldn't do it. Present so himself. Kind of like... Like how Tony Stark was portrayed by him. Oh, yeah. They showed Tony Stark as the Steve Jobs, where here he is acting like the Steve Jobs, where everyone's doing all, pulling all the strings, mm-hmm. their the lighting and the magic tricks while he's being the front man. So you can see how that's parallel. And it's kind of funny too, because that also goes in a way where some people will point fingers at others while ignoring their misgivings. So they're like, you yell, you're a yeller, you lie, blah, blah. Where in actuality, that person is a liar and yeller himself or herself. Exactly. Overall, this was a fun film. It has some parallel to Superman 2. In a way that wherever Peter goes, Spider-Man will follow. And in Superman 2, wherever Clark is, Superman follows. Okay. And then there's the reveal with him and Lois too. Right. And then reveal where Mary Jane figures it out. Well, she has a strong hunch. Calls him out on it and becomes right. So I wasn't even connecting that, but... Good job. Well, yeah, because I was well when I was watching that again. When I was like, I was like, wow, okay, because Superman two, he's doing his best not to show who he is until he trips, his glasses fall into the fire pit. He puts his hand in and grabs it real quick. Lois is like, you know, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand and find and see. There's nothing wrong with his hand, and he just reveals himself. Similarities here as well, where he wouldn't reveal himself. Oh, he comes out as a character, um, the Night Monkey, who, which is a character in the comics. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. So that, that's, it was like that, a, that was the Easter egg. Granted, there are some plot holes looking at this. Well, I, I had the same feeling or same views when I first saw this film. I think most of the plot holes originate with the whole Nick Fury parts. Not necessarily that. Granted, that was another thing there, but it falls in the line of the drones because all that damage, the drones were making it up and shooting things or showing things that people wanted to see. How were they destroying stuff still when they didn't even upgrade before? That's where I'm confused because he got the upgrade once Beck got the glasses. Yes. So here's the freaky thing too, and I'm going to piggyback on this because the upgrade allowed him access to the weaponry that was part of the drones from space that Tony left. I will give benefit of the doubt that he had all the original crew that worked with Tony 
in various capacities. So they may have put weapons on those previous drones, hypothetically, right? Okay. I feel like Tony would have installed a holographic system of that nature into a satellite system with all the drones there. And now they all have the holographic capability. Didn't he have it before when he had all those elementals come out? Well, that was with his drones. Remember that he has his own drones and he has it and then he acquires Tony Stark's drones. And I'm talking about Tony Stark's drones. He used those to make the hologram at the end. Okay. This is like what we're talking about. That's a little bit of a kind of giving benefit of the doubt. And there's a bigger loophole when you think about it. Unless you think, mm -hmm. well, Tony Stark's the kind of guy who would just install everything he has into his devices whenever he, get, he gets a chance. But I feel like that's the least thing he would install. And why does it seem practical mm -hmm. to have a holographic machine as a aerial defense weapon? So the whole uh, yeah, just... Edith network, it's Edith, right? Yeah, the whole Edith, there's a little bit of flaw with Edith. Edith is voiced by Don Michelle King, who mm -hmm. has very little acting roles, more like in the editorial department, which is kind of funny. So they usually used a, a person really unknown, if you will, in the acting world, that is. I mean, she she's known in the voice. film world. Oh, she had a great voice. It was awesome. It was a little more, I would say it's a little more menacing than Karen from the previous film. That was another thing. I miss Karen's voice. Like I remember in Infinity War, they kind of did, did away with it, but she never came well, back. Yes. It's a shame. Well, we hardly saw Peter wearing his regular gear because he Karen couldn't. Was the original he suit. Well, that was the thing. He couldn't be Spider-Man in Rome. You couldn't because it was just, it was too obvious. Hence Night Monkey, hence Jester Mask, which I find it was kind of funny because he only has a, he's, he's, he's dressed in regular civilian clothing that everyone could recognize that he has. He has the backpack on. Yeah. You know, he, he's doing his Spider-Man stuff only with a Jester Mask on. Also watching his film and of course seeing the film originally and then seeing all the videos talking about it, like behind the scenes stuff, you pay attention back and his croonies are popping left and right oh yeah they're everywhere and yeah they're planting their seeds they're doing reconnaissance they're getting ready to set up because they're following him now granted in the beginning of this film we see maria hill and nick fury go to a, a spot and mysterio pops up after a, a elemental shows up and he says you shouldn't be here and then he does his his magic trick if you will and i like it also because it is a callback to captain marvel where maria hill calls fury nick Oh, yeah. No friend calls him Nick. He's known by S. Fury. So if you pay attention to that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. And it's also obvious then it goes towards Infinity War because it's the same two that disappear. Yes. She goes, Nick, talk about that, Infinity War. This is also a great movie because it goes and helps us understand the return of the blip. How everyone comes back where people are still the same age while others grew older. So everyone's in the same grade now. They did the example of um, the Asian kid who had a crush on MJ mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, we've been gone five years. And like, at first, like he was like the uh, kid that everybody picked on. And now mm -hmm. look at him. He's like, all the girls want him. He's like, not all the girls. But also the him, the guy who played that kid, I was watching. He was like, damn, he looks so familiar. I did some search and I was like, holy crap. That's the guy from Marco Polo on Netflix. He was the son of Khan played by Benedict Wong, who is oh, yeah. in Doctor Strange and Shang-Chi. Six degrees of stupidity. Oh, I do miss that. They didn't put it in here, but it was on the, it was in the previews. It was, I think it's a deleted scene where... Peter stops a mob at a restaurant oh, in yeah, the Iron yeah. Spider-Man. I think it was supposed to be the deleted scene where he was at the, uh, in the beginning of the movie. And it would have been cool to see that. He was that. like telling the officers, hey guys, and the officers were trying to like, 
hey spider-man what you got plans he's like now nah, i'm going on vacation guys i'll be back in a little bit like that was also another deleted scene it would have been nice to have seen on the big screen i get it or even on a small show screen. like more how he's dealing with ptsd of losing tony and, and like the responsibility it seemed like right. that would have took away from that but yeah it would have been funny to go back to the superman 2 thing we see that parallel where just for a moment leave everything behind no Spider-Man, none of that. He's just going to be Peter. And Superman 2, we see that where Clark sacrifices his Kryptonian self to be with Lois. He goes into that mm-hmm. chamber. He leaves that behind just for he can be with her. Unfortunately, stuff happens that he needs to have his powers back. Peter needs to be Spider-Man again. Didn't they also do that in Spider-Man 2 where he's like, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore. Yeah. And he actually lost his powers. And here there's like, he's like, he's torn and he's like, he doesn't want to be Spider-Man. He just wants to take a break of being Spider-Man. Anyway, let's keep going here. This felt a little more comical. This had some really good scenes, even though it wasn't really as action-packed, in my opinion, as the first one. The intensity wasn't the same. The dream sequences where Beck was playing with Peter. That was cool. Yes. I also like accepted his tingle the, the peter tingle which we know is, is the, the spider sense but they wouldn't refer to that just called the peter tingle that whole scene right there where he's trying to get to back and the drones are invisible that was sick and that speaking of that the action scene for this movie which was about just two hours long about 28 to 30 minutes of action which is pretty good which is similar to the first film but they were just done more of big hits like wham bam stuff yeah. Where in the first film, it was like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, boom, 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 boom. I kind of like at the end before the final is that he grabs the shield and the hammer, if you will. Yeah, and he ties something else to it. But yeah, it's pretty much like an homage to Captain America and Thor. Or Captain America, because Captain America had the shield and the hammer. It is true too. He makes a makeshift shield to help and he has a, like a like a, a bomb or EPM. EPM? Uh, electric magnetic EMP, yeah. excuse me, electric magnetic no, it, pulse it, kind of thing. It'd be closer to a bomb because he was uh, he grabbed it from one of the other things. I mean, there's a lot of times. I mean, I liked in that dream sequence. We see Tony Stark as a zombie. Yeah. So that's a the callback to Man. Marvel zombies or what? Zombie Iron Man because he was in his Iron Man suit. Well, yes. Tony's face. Right. Again, that's a callback to Marvel Zombies in the comics. And then we see it later in What If as well. I know we're jumping all over the place here, but... It's definitely a different feel of a film, though. This is definitely not an Empire Strikes Back kind of film. Mm -hmm. But it is a good follow-up to this dynamic duo of Tom Holland and John Watt. And I think they actually improved on some of the characters, too. Like, that's side characters. Like, MJ, she had a little bit more growth. This is where I have a problem, because she became the MJ similar to Sam Raimi. Yeah, MJ. she got a little bit similarities. Softer. She, maybe because she's trying to be more of a woman, be more appealing. Be approachable. Coming, or coming out of her own shell. Could be it. And, and she uh, actually addressed that, like, in the end fight scene that we're talking about, when they're all, like, confessing things. And she goes, mm-hmm. I use being brutally honest as a as a defense mechanism, and I'm afraid that I won't ever get close to somebody. And that was a good scene because Happy revealed himself. And he's like, I'm in love with like, Spider-Man's aunt. And everybody's like, right. what? Like, but again, going back to that with Happy, again, going back to Iron Man. That was a great time. Iron Man. Him and not Happy. Yes. And he filled that kind of void that he was missing from tony because tony became that father figure for him and happy kind of filled in that aspect for him like the uncle he became the uncle instead of the father he wanted to be the uncle (laughs) 
Did he? And I do like when we're, again, it's a call back to the first Iron Man where Peter is creating a new suit yeah. and he's picking things apart just like Tony did when he had a, a hologram object and he'll look at it, twist it, pull it open it wide, look, make it look uh, at a deeper view and then put away to the stuff that he did not want in that suit. And then he puts his arm into a hologram gauntlet to see if it fits or how it looks, which was awesome. And then you see Happy recognizing that, acknowledging it by putting on ACDC. Oh, I love Led Zeppelin. This is a good film. I don't think it's on the same par as Homecoming. Homecoming, yeah. There are two end credit scenes, but before that, and it makes sense now when you, when you watch the end credits and stuff like that, where Beckett is arguing with his crew and tells them, they'll see why I want them to see. Exactly. And it shows like everything was all set up. Like he had a contingency plan or does it show that, did he really die? Cause he does get, he does get shot, but was it a death blow as we thought it was? Peter asked Edith if everything was turned off. Edith was like, yes. Did he actually die? I think he did. When Peter was trying to get to Beck, remember when he was telling the guy, he's like, like you said, they'll see what I want them to see. Render my outfit. So he wanted the outfit to be rendered on his body. He used that time to film the backup plans. And then you see like when everything was said and done and Beck got shot, like the guy, he was taking orders, unplugged a device. It may have been his phone. It showed downloading complete. They made a condition and he stored it. And it's not like they couldn't augment his verbiage or his whatnot to say like he killed me or whatever. Do you think we may see a Mysterio? Potential's there. And we got multiverse far from home? now. Right. This film after Intro Spider-Verse brought it up again because Beck acted as if he's from a multiverse. Mind you, that was the biggest tease ever because i was excited for the possibility about this being a multiverse film and then uh, right. like they said in the trailers they went into all this and you watch the movie and it's not a multiverse film well it was kind of like the thing with the original mandarin where we thought that bing keesley was the mandarin built them up built them up built them up and he said i'm just an actor i played a role I stuff like that, that. and so it's kind of me too. I think I, I think Iron Man 3 is actually underrated. I think it's actually so good. But it kind of same here. They build them up and made it think because again, I'm thinking, I know this character. So when they're doing all this in the previews and building up to this film, and even till we find out the reality of the character, we see him. I was like, wait a minute. He, what? No, he's a villain. He's a bad guy. He's not a good guy. Are they using a multiverse saying this guy is actually a good guy instead? That got me intrigued because you and I know that Mysterio is a villain. He wasn't, again, they made him different where he's part of the Tony Stark program or one of the inventors or the brains. Yeah. They did all that twist around. It made it more believable actually. And then when they revealed it, I was like, okay, we're back to what we know. He's the bad guy. It was all a ploy, all that stuff. So, okay, good. So again, there's two end scenes in this film. One of them was with Nick and Maria Hill are actually scrolls from Captain Marvel. And come to find out that the glasses are not from Tony. It's from Fury. Did I miss that? Yep. Okay. Because they transform into the scrolls. He calls Nick Fury. He says, hi, how are you? Just let you know that I did give the boy the glasses. It was touching. And it was a good moment. Right. So it wasn't Tony this whole time. It was Nick Fury who gave him the glasses. I still think it was why? Tony because why would he program Edith to be like responding to the Tony protocols and, and have all of Tony Stark's tech? Because that was a Tony Stark satellite. How did he know to give the kid the glasses? And Edith stand for even and hey. death and the hero. Yeah. You have one theory that uh, the scroll was the same Nick Fury all along and from Infinity War going on. So he could have gotten it 
after Infinity War. Well, when did the transition happen? When did Nick give up I mean, his he, role? He on... got it physically. He could have got it as like last will and testament. You have this. Please make sure kind of situation. Well, it's hard to say because everything happened kind of quick. I agree. How was he going to know that he was going to snap the fingers and everybody's going to come back? You know what I'm saying? It's like he had to have see the future to know yeah. that was going to happen. He is a futurist. No, that's Kang. <sighs> That's he who remains. But it could be Nick. Because remember, Nick was always two steps ahead. He always had like a plan. For a plan. And had a backup plan for another plan. You know, like he always had con contingencies. Because remember, he's on a, on a base in space. Technology could have happened there. Oh, yeah. And he's still working with the scrolls at that point, too. You could tell. Right. To move along, going back, the first end credit is where Peter and MJ land right by Penn Station in New York. They just land in the middle of a crowd and everyone just keeps walking by them. It's New York, baby. New York is cool like that, but it ain't that cool. <laughs> Especially when two people drop out of the sky and land on their feet. You see a guy who's dressed like Spider-Man. Well, in a world of superpowers. It'll be a go, go crazy crowd because even in the fact where you have J. Jonah Jameson pop up on the screen, the sound is on, everyone can hear them or hear him. And everyone's just walking casually. Fair enough. Superhero or not, someone lands in front of me, I will not just keep walking. Especially where in Times Square, you have people who dress up in costume to take photos to make money. In my opinion, should have played that up more. I mean, I do like it. It was cool where we see, it may not be the same, but it's actually the same actor from the Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yes. J.K. Simmons. He was in all three Spider-Man with Tom. Right. So this is fourth uh, time Toby. reprising, fourth time reprising that role. And then they did it again in Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And but he also was be in, uh, in No Way Home. He might be in that one too. Oh, most likely. So the way that Far From Home ended on that was perfect because it was like a cliffhanger. Lovely cliffhanger. Love it. Which will lead, as we saw in the previews, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. You have the worlds coming together as one. You have... All these other actors reprising the role, which is great. I would love to see William Dafoe as a Green Goblin again. Will it be William Dafoe or is it James, is it James Franco? They say it's going to be William Dafoe. Or is it going to be the other kid from Amazing Spider-Man who played Green Goblin? You got to watch it to see. I know. Jamie Foxx, they showed his face. I do like it. his lightning. I saw the pictures. Lightning forms the shape of the mask the crown, that yeah. the comic book the comic book character wears. I'm glad he's not the white version in the sense of the electric eel version where his skin is blue and white and all this stuff. And I'm most likely he's going to be in it now. Possibly. I'm excited. This movie is a great sequel to the first one. It goes more into depth of the characters. It goes in more depth to Peter. To humanize. And, and, and it, yeah, to humanize. And it, and it fell, and, when, and again, it fell back to Iron Man 3, the man without the mask. And it was kind of also in relation to Thor, if you will. The first where one. the glass, yes, the first one where Thor had to show that he was worthy of the hammer. Peter thought he was not worthy of the glasses or to take over for Tony or take over the mantle. Yeah. Those glasses represent that hammer. Those glasses represent Exc Excalibur. You learn from your mistakes. He made a mistake of giving Beck the glasses. All hell broke loose and he felt obviously deeply responsible and he tried to rectify it. True. And he was able to. I know I've been talking a whole lot and I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. just... So he tells the two bros, but it's more like, bro. I mean, I could tell you really uh, fanned over this movie. It's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. I agree in that sense. But mm -hmm. bro, bro's been loving this film. I'm just saying. I just resaw it like the other day. So it's like pretty much fresh. And I'm excited for what's going to happen come December 17th. To recap before. 
before we give our re final reviews and final thoughts, what was your favorite and maybe your worst scene? It's stupid. It's him having uh, when they're, he gets caught in the bathroom with a girl. And that in leads into the whole e introduction to Edith. He marks the one kid as a target. He's like, yeah, he's a target. <laughs> Not yeah. even a great scene at overall as action and whatnot, but it's just like it kind of made me. It was like one of the funniest moments for me because he's like, he's like, kill what? No, and he knocks out Flash Gordon. I uh, Flash Gordon. He knocks out Flash Thompson. These little you know kaleidoscope of things happening for him that just mm -hmm. made it great for me. And a bad one, I would say, I want to say it was after Happy warned Nick Fury. You didn't like that because like it was at that point where like his character was trying. I mean, it makes sense that afterwards when i figured out he was a scroll but his mm -hmm. character his persona his character didn't seem to work and like it switched the tones and whatnot he seemed more like the traditional nick at that scene than mm -hmm. the rest of the scenes in the movie where nick was like undermined by maria hill almost again it right. makes more sense when you see the scroll scene but if you didn't see that you're gonna be like that makes no sense you're right about that i don't feel like an end credit scene should be the thing that solidifies what's the part of the movie but the end credit helped us understand Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Because how many people will walk out or they don't wait for the credits? Screw them. Well, I know that. But I'm just saying, like, okay. from my logic as a film, I'm, if I'm going to watch that film, I want to get that information. The end credits are some extra or for what's coming future uh, to me. Uh, I agree to disagree. Fair enough. So what was your worst? Fair to say that you probably thought the end scene uh, with him fighting Mysterio is probably your favorite? Favorite? Yeah, what's your favorite? It's a tie up with whole dream sequence stuff. That was good. That, yeah. And the bridge. Yeah. Because it was like, you don't know who to trust. You didn't know what to believe. And that was so cool because he, he faked as Nick Fury. True. That was very good in that aspect. And then the final moments of the last action scene was pretty damn good, especially when he has to... It was like the old Spidey, like the Tobey Maguire Spidey and the ones we see in the comic books where he's jumping over the drones and using his spider sense, tingle if you will, and getting through to get to his target. True. His spider sense kicks in when he knows that Beck is actually next to him instead of in front of him, about to shoot him, and he stops him. Yeah. Um. Worse was Ned and his girlfriend. That was a running joke. Not needed. I mean, it was awkward kind of as all of... get out, but that was the purpose. Yeah, but I think it would have been nice if, say, like, Ned's trying and it's not working for him or that he doesn't try and it works for him. Everyone is going crazy for him in Europe. That would have been fun. Oh, and, and now that I think about it, the other scene I enjoyed was the Nick Fury waiting for Peter in the bedroom. And he knocks out Ned with a trank gun <laughs> and then everybody's and every, and everyone's out. coming in. He goes, listen, if someone else knocks on that door, I am going to, and he's like, he's like, I'm going to kill somebody. Or he says something along those lines. Yeah. That was hilarious. If that was like the real Nick, I think it would have been hilarious either way, but it was just funny. Well, it would have been some F-bombs or something if it was a real Nick Fury. <laughs> there are some good scenes here. Again, it's, I don't think it's on the same level as Homecoming. No. But the, the villain did not have the same gravitas. He was a fun villain. He was an interesting villain, but he didn't have the same weight. We didn't get that homecoming car scene, you know, where he was just like, he's a guy you can relate to, but then he turns into this guy like, holy shit, I, I, might, I might have just dropped a brick just sitting here listening to this guy. Well, don't forget, at that time... Peter was still wet behind the ears, if you will. And that's what I'm saying. Like the, the seriousness of his character wasn't as carried as 
the Vulture's character was. Beck was more, he wanted to be recognized for his work. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't as, I guess, as evil as the Vulture was. And the Vulture wasn't that really evil either, but he was not afraid to go or react. Because we saw him kill people. The Vulture was like, he only did it out of necessity. Beck was like, it's so he could become famous. There's sure. a difference. And that's where I would say he's kind of sociopathic in that sense. He, he probably fits the bill. Like, Dura ends to me. And he's narcissistic. It was all hell. Again, one of my things where I don't understand is how the elementals or the drones, I mean, I granted, I know they he upgraded the weaponry, but how the drones were able to destroy some of the stuff in Italy, some of the... No idea buildings it doesn't make sense to me if because barf was meant to make ultimate realities but not damage them so when they were introducing the scientists if they explain one of them was one of the ones that worked on the drones or like their military applications were applied to the drones that would have been an answer right there we didn't get that yeah just kind of confused on that part because if they're holograms they're projecting how you're just projecting a light they're not projecting like physical but it did that's the thing you know what I'm and, and they show in one water, scene they water. they use like machine gun fire as a way to cause damage in one of the scenes mm -hmm. so the only thing is like potentially they had that attack and the original drones we saw but there's nothing that validated that theory were they waterproof as well i'm going with yes no you can take it as it is but again if you look at it it's like it makes no sense if they're drones they're not beings, actual beings that would interact with people or their surroundings. It was just programmed. Mm -hmm. Hey, it is what it is. Confused or not, it's still, be, it's still a fun movie. Is this worth the own multi-watch or one and done? I would be multi-fun. Fair enough. For me, it's ready for purchase. Nice. I'm, I guess I'm a purist in that aspect, especially now since it's not on Disney+, Plus. it's not on Netflix, it's not on Hulu. They it's not that curveball. If you're going to rent it, you just might as well buy it. Buy it either on Blu-ray or on... Amazon, Voodoo, Google. Yeah, purchase Amazon. it. You have it. All right. Anything else before we go? Well, y'all, if you haven't watched this movie, check it out and definitely let us know how you feel about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So that was our marvelous review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Like my brother said, if you like it or disliked it, if you had a favorite scene or if you had a bad scene, or if you know how those drones were able to destroy and move water without any upgrades, please make a comment below. And also hit the subscribe button and also hit that like button to let you know when we'll be on again, because we'll be either a week two weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. By the time I get done editing this, you'll be the first to know when it comes out. Until next time, we'll be next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you.